Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon, for the next 90 minutes. We're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose. In my opinion, if you have an opinion, number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan send messages to the show on Twitter at go for again. And while you're there on Twitter at go for again, give me a follow G O F O R I T G A N T. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by the one of the founding fathers of the Orlando magic and senior vice president, Pat Williams. Going to talk all things NBA with Pat. I mean, the NBA season got started on Tuesday. That's fun. That's exciting. That's great, but we're going to talk to Pat Williams. And also, Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill will be joining us. Talked a lot of basketball over the years with Marlon, and that's going to continue this year. And we're going to preview the NBA season with Marlon Gill. But let's talk about what's going to happen tonight. Baseball, the World Series, it shifts back to Chicago. Started out in Cleveland, now we're back in Chicago. First game in Chicago, World Series, that is, in 19, since 1945. Long, 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 long time. 71 years. That's a long time. Woo! But, I mean, the excitement level. You saw the excitement level um, last Saturday when they clinched and got to the World Series. And, and you know, you, you see the excitement level in Cleveland, who, you know, Cavaliers get that championship for, for Cleveland. And now they have their Indians who have an opportunity to get a championship for Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland could be, you know, championships of championshipville. You know, it could be a, t- a town of champions, city of champions. Who would ever thought we would say that about the city of Cleveland? But anyway, you, you, it goes back to Chicago. Those fans are jacked up. Those fans are excited. And if you look at the pitching matchup tonight, I mean, Tomlin, who's been pitching well for the Indians in the playoffs, and then you got the Cubs, you know, who, who's going to come with you, come at you with a Cy Young caliber pitcher and Kyle Hendricks. So it should be fun. It most definitely should be fun. Tomlin's pitching well in these playoffs. Hendricks is, you know, big-time regular season for the Cubs and a decent playoffs thus far. So, again, it, it should be a lot of fun. But I, I think if you look at the two teams, I think it's fair to say that the Cubs, talent-wise, are the better baseball team. Are the better baseball team. I mean, you look at Hendricks 2-0 in these playoffs, man. I mean, and this guy, I, I guess you can say this favors the Cubs. He's 9-2 he's and two with a 1.32 ERA at home. So that helps. That most definitely helps. 
and, and I talk about Tomlin, two playoff starts, only three runs in 10 and two-thirds innings. So, I mean, both of these pitchers are pitching well in these in the playoffs. And so and the Indians have gotten here because of pitching. I, I mean, game one, big-time pitching. Uh, Kluber, Corey Kluber went out there and, and pitched well, big time. So, I mean, the, the Indians have had great pitching throughout the course of these playoffs. And then the Cubs came back in game two. Jake Arrieta did his thing. And, and how about Kyle Schwarber? He won't be in the field. He won't be playing. He's, I guess, available for pinch hit uh, possibilities. Obviously, he is available for pinch hitting. But you're not going to have his bat in the lineup. And that was a bat. That was a beautiful bat. I mean, you look at three, four, and five, the three, four, five hitters for the Cubs, Rizzo, Zobris, and Schwarber, five, four, 11, four walks, four runs, and four RBI, and that's on game two. And then you look at game one, Schwarber was the, was the only bat that really showed up in game one for the Cubs, and he's been three for seven thus far in this series with two walks. And obviously he's playing the DH. He can play the DH in Cleveland. Obviously, you can't do it in Chicago. And that's a bat they're going to miss. And you look at these Cubs bats kind of been hit or miss. You see games where, where, where they've been blanked, and then you see games where they just blow up offensively. And so, again, you're going to miss Schwarber's bat. You're, you're most definitely going to miss that bat. And, and that's going to be a tough bat to replace. For sure. And then you got the uh, the Indians, somewhat similar position with Carlos Santana, but he's going to play left field, a position he's never played before, a position he's never played before. But you can't take 34 home runs out of your lineup. You can't take that out of your lineup. So the Indians have found a way to get him in, and obviously – if the Cubs could find a way to get Schwarber in, he would be playing, obviously. But he can't. Has not been cleared by doctors to play. And also, I mean, if you look at it, it's kind of amazing. And I guess this goes back to the, the greatness of modern medicine. Because you look at Schwarber back in April, tears that ACL, tears that LCL. And you're like, okay, there's no way this dude can come back at any point of this season. But the modern medicine is amazing. You got guys like Adrian Peterson, you know, complete tear of his ACL, and he comes right on back and arguably is better, at least that season after. And that was incredible. But you look at not having Schwarber, in your lineup, it's going to be huge. That's going to be huge. But this couple's offense has done it before and has done it throughout the course of this season without Kyle Schwarber. And they're going to have to do it in these next few games without Kyle Schwarber. That's just the reality of the situation. They're just going to have to make do if they want what I think they want. And that's ultimately a World Series. So they got three games in Chicago. There's the possibility, if things go to Cubs' way, that they can put this series away in Chicago.
I don't think they're going to win all three of these games. I, I don't. I don't think they win all three. I think this series is going back to Cleveland. And again, I think the Cubs are the better baseball team. But again, that doesn't mean anything. Because just like I said numerous times over and over again, there's only one sport out of the four major sports where the best team wins mostly all the time, and that is the NBA. Other than that, NFL, the best team doesn't always win. Major League Baseball, the best team doesn't always win. Again, you could ride a hot pitcher, a hot bat, all the way through October and beyond. And then the hockey. You can ride a hot goaltender all the way through the playoffs and beyond. So a hot bat, a hot pitcher can change the course of a series with the quickness. Now, again, Cubs are the best team. But Indians are playing some decent baseball. Eight and one in these playoffs before game number two. I mean, so they they've – really played some big-time baseball in the in, in these playoffs. I mean, they, they played some big-time baseball. But obviously, if they want to continue on, if they want to move on, and, and if they want to win a championship, they got to get it done in Wrigley, get it done in Chicago. And the reality is, I mean, you think of Wrigley Field, you don't think of night baseball, you think of day baseball. But, hey, MLB got to get those ratings, and they got to get those prime time ratings. That's where you get that prime time money. So you understand why. But we're going to switch gears now. We're going to go to the NBA. NBA season get started, got started on Tuesday, still going, and will be going till June. What a fun time of the year. I mean, and this is a great time of the year because you got four sports going. You got the four majors. Hockey, you're a hockey guy. Baseball, the World Series. The NFL season's hot and heavy. And the NBA, and the NBA it started as well. Before you know it, college basketball will be here. And, you know, sports will be in full, full swing. And, and I forgot college football as well. So everything is great if you're a sports fan at this point in your life. It's great. But let, let, let's bring in a guy now. We're, we're going to talk some basketball preview the upcoming NBA season. We're going to bring him in now, Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Kill. Marlon. Hey, Paul. How you doing, man? Doing well. Yourself? Oh, doing all right. Can't complain, man. Uh, looking forward to the season like everybody else is around the club. For sure. For sure. A lot of fun. Let's get right down to it. I want to ask you this. And I want to go back to the first game of the season. We, we had Golden State and the Spurs. Spurs win 129-100, dominate that basketball game, blow out the Warriors. Did to the Warriors what the Warriors did to them last year in their first matchup. But should we read anything into that game? I mean, it's it's one of 82. Not at all. And you hit it right on the head. It's the first game. There's still 81 more games left to be played this year. These guys still have to figure each other out. And I, I know people might say, well, you've got training camp, you've got preseason. 
let's be honest. In, in training camp, you're not doing anything really. You know, guys know who's going to make the team and who's not going to make the team. So, you know, you're still trying to find that diamond in the rough for that last roster spot. Preseason games, I, I don't buy too much stock into that. Uh, and, and, you know, opening night, I, I don't buy too much stock into that. So I, I think at the end of the day, you know, come January, February, March, down that stretch, you know, the Warriors will be one of the top two, three teams in the NBA. So, you know, they're still trying to figure each other out. Um, you know, I, I think Kevin Durant's still trying to find himself within that offense. People say that Clay Thompson will be the guy that has to adjust and things of that nature, but I think Durant does. And reason being, you know, Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green have been playing together for X amount of years. They know each other's games. Now it's up to Durant to fit in with those guys. So I think once they figure that out, you know, come January, February, March, they'll be right there at the top of the Western Conference. And, you know, people will be forgetting about 129 to 120. So let me ask you this. So basically what you're saying, if 129 and 100 happen in January, then we would have, you know, some concern. Oh, for sure. For sure, but I, I can guarantee you, Steve Kerr isn't concerned. I, I know those four All Stars aren't concerned. I can guarantee you, the uh, guys at NBA TV and ratings aren't concerned because you're still going to see the Warriors on TV 30 more times this year, if not more. So, you know, there, there's no reason to be concerned right now. So let me ask you this: Obviously, you everybody's going to have to adjust their games for this whole thing to work. And, you know, you've heard this question to a lot of people, but who is going to be the Chris Bosh of the situation? Is it going to be Draymond Green? Because I look at the other three guys, they're pure prolific scorers. Draymond is not necessarily that type of scorer. So is he the one that's going to have to pull back a little bit, offensively at least? Uh I think so, but at the same time, I don't think he minds because at the end of the day, he's still going to have his hands on the ball, you know, pushing it in transition off of a rebound. You know, you look at the four guys they have, and he's probably the best guy that can rebound the ball and lead a break. You know, so I don't see him, you know, holding back too much on the offensive end because he's still going to, push the ball in transition and get guys shots. And then at the same time, he knows when he can keep, you know, in transition to get a basket or get an offensive rebound or even throw, throw him the ball in the post and have him score. So, you know, I would say he'll be the guy that plays the boss role, but at the same time, it, it's the role that he's been playing since he's uh, become this star in, in the league. So I, I don't see too much of a uh, drop-off for him. So, we, like we said, the NBA season started, a lot of great basketball to this point. I want to ask you this. I want to go to Philadelphia for a moment, you know, which made me very excited. What I saw the other day out of Joel Embiid, the process Joel Embiid, I, I saw a seven-footer, seven-footer big who could shoot a jumper off the dribble, who can make a turnaround jumper from, like, the foul line. A, a guy that can shoot the three-point shot. I mean, I, I fell in love with the process, Joel Embiid. Your thoughts on what you saw out of Joel Embiid? 
Well, I'll say this. I was at the game the other night, and I'll head down to their game Tuesday against Orlando. Uh, you know, being so close to the Philadelphia area, I definitely want to get down and watch those guys play. But I'll say this. The buzz in that arena the other night was – I haven't seen that since AI was in the finals with the Sixers, and rightfully so. I mean – Everything that people have said about Joel Embiid, he can't do this, he can't do that, you know, the attention that he's caused himself to have on social media, all that went out the window the other night for me watching him play. Uh, that, that was as impressive of a start with everything he's had to go through that, that, that I've ever seen. And you hit it right on the head. I mean, from his first basket, that foul line, turnaround jumper, and, and just the way that game went on, throughout the night. The only thing left for the Sixers to do the other night was win. Uh, it, you know, it, it was that electrifying, you know, that encouraging if you're a Sixers fan to see what MB can do. Uh, and, and I'll say this, they'll definitely have to make a decision on who they're getting rid of because MB's playing. Uh, so between Okafor and, and Nerland, they're going to have to figure that out because he's playing. I would think Maryland's is going at this point. I think you almost have to keep Okafor from the standpoint of the insurance policy. Because, you know, as, as great as Joel Embiid has looked, you do have health concerns. You, you do have those concerns. So I, I think Maryland's is the odd man out. And I think you're, you almost have to keep Okafor for maybe this whole year or – if not to at least the all-star break, to see what you have with Embiid and to see whether or not Embiid can stay healthy. No, definitely. I would definitely agree with with you on that. But if he can stay healthy, you know, the the Sixers have something. And, you know, Sam Hinkie's not looking as uh, befuddled as as we thought he was. So, you know, I I know a lot of Sixers fans are, are happy with what's out there. And, uh, you know, and you should be, you know, because that, that's a good block to build on. For sure. We're talking to Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. I want to ask you this now. In that same game, obviously you were there in Philadelphia. Russell Westbrook almost messed around and got a triple-double. I mean, I look at Westbrook. I look at the way he plays. This dude, and I don't think he's going to do it, but if there's anybody in the league, that can average a triple double. It's Russell Westbrook, and he's he might get close. Oh, well, for, for sure. Uh, the the thing that I think will hold him back from averaging a triple double is I I don't know if OKC has the shooters. You know, for when he's double teamed on the block in post up situations, yeah, he can throw it to those big guys, Adams and uh, Cantor, for dump offs for scores inside. But I don't know if he has enough shooters outside that you can lay off of or if you want to try to double team, he kicks it out to and those guys can make shots. So I, I think that'll slow him down from averaging a triple-double. But, you know, th- there was that one point the other night where he was just on a roll and did whatever he wanted to do on the floor, and, and you just had to watch. You know, and, and for as good as MB's debut was, Westbrook was just as good that night. Uh, and and pretty much willed OKC to a victory in a hostile environment, you know, with everything, the, uh, the fan that, that flipped 
birds and the bird a little bit and, and things of that <laughs> nature. But he was pretty impressive the other night, to say the least. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, I look at the Eastern Conference kind of like the Western Conference from this standpoint. Like, obviously, you you got to say the Cavaliers are the favorite. And but in your opinion, who is that team out east or or teams that can compete with the Cavaliers, if not even beat the Cavaliers? I looked at the Indiana Pacers the other night, man, and that team could be one of those teams. But your thoughts? I'm going to have to agree with you. I, I don't think Toronto is as good. Uh, I, I don't think Boston is as good. I, I think the Pacers is a team that nobody talks about. Uh, you know, they, they've got guys that can play both sides of the basketball pretty effectively. You know, it starts with, with Paul George. Uh, I think he had 25 points the other night. Um you know, Miles Turner was phenomenal with a double double. Uh, you know, I think that nobody talked about was Jeff Teague, and you know, it's not like Jeff Teague was slim pickings in Atlanta. He was starting. He was a at one point you could even say he was the top five point guard in the NBA. Uh, and you know, here's a guy that's still pretty young, can get to the basket, can find guys. You know, he's kind of been an afterthought, uh, but. You know, I, I think Indiana, from top to bottom, they're just stacked and they're all young. Uh, you know, Paul George, I, I think, is under 28. Uh, you know, Turner's not even 22, 21 yet. Jeff T, tw- under 28. Al Jefferson's still around, 28, 29. Uh, Monte Ellis is, is still in that age group. You, you know, so th- they've got – They've got a chance, man. I, I really do believe that to uh, shock some people and because nobody's talking about them. But to me, they're the second-best team in the East right now. And how about the Knicks? I mean, I look at the New York Knicks, and I, I think this is a team possibly, if things shake out right, if, if D-Rose can be D-Rose on some level, if Melo can be Melo, if Noah can be Noah, I mean, obviously, a lot of guys have to be, I guess you could say, their former selves on some level. But if some of these guys are their former selves on some level, is this a team that possibly could get to the Eastern Conference Finals and and give the Cavaliers a series? Well, first, you're not going to even do me like that, man. Uh, (laughs) You know the text message I, I sent you the other night. Uh, the Knicks starting five is a playoff team. And, and for right now, as a big Knicks fan, I don't even want the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's just get to the playoffs. You know, it's just something about having the garden open that last week of April, early May. Uh, and, and we'll go from there. But the starting five, I, I believe, is a playoff team. You know, the issue is when they get to the bench. Uh, they, they don't have a bench. You know, Brandon Jennings is a good NBA player. Uh, Kyle Quinn, maybe. And I'm only saying that really because I recruited Kyle out of high school. But after that, there's nobody on that bench that I'm saying, all right, let's – we can put them in the game and it'll, it'll be an even game. Uh, you know, the Knicks have to make some changes for that bench. 
and you know, even as small as maybe getting whether it be through trade or however you can get them, and putting Courtney Courtney Lee, excuse me, that wouldn't be a bad thing either because now here's a guy that has scored in the NBA double double figures throughout his career, knows what it takes, and now you put him and Jennings and you bring those guys in off the bench. Now you still have some scoring, you know, and. Hello? I think we may have lost him. I think we may have. Hopefully he calls back. I think we lost him. Might have hit a bad sell area. But the Knicks, in my opinion, are a team. Again, a lot of things have to shake right for them. And a lot of players have to turn back the clock on some level. But it can, it's possible. We're, we got Marlon back on. Hello? Hey, Paul. Sorry about that, man. My apologies. All good. All good. You left off with the Knicks and their bench woes. And we lost him again. <laughs> but um, I think the Indiana Pacers are a team that can most definitely challenge the Cavaliers. Some young, like Marlon said, they're a young basketball team some young players who can play the game of basketball. I mean, the Knicks obviously are a team maybe that can do some things. Of course, you got to put Boston in the mix with the addition of Horford and, and, uh, and the Raptors as well, who were the second seed last year in the Eastern Conference. And a team that, you know, took the Cavaliers to six, but I don't think at any point in any time you thought the Raptors could beat the, uh, the Cavaliers in that series. We got more on the back. Hello? Hey, sorry about, sorry about that, man. Not sure if that was me or you. Probably me. I probably didn't pay my bill on time, so my apologies. Well, hopefully you took care of that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the Knicks, their bench. For me, that, that that's the Achilles heel right now. They can, uh, if they can fix that bench, we, we might have something to work with. Until then, you know, they're, they're still a 6, 7, 8 seed to me. Okay. I mean, we'll see. One thing you can say most definitely about the Eastern Conference this year, that it is deep. It, it, it is a deep conference. It was deep last year, but I think it might even be a little more deeper this year. So, I mean, that most definitely should be interesting to see what the Knicks do moving forward. We're talking to Ryan University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. To Marlon, we look at Anthony Davis the other night. 50-point game, man. I mean, big time. Just just a big-time performance by Anthony Davis. Big-time performance by a big-time player. 50 points, 16 rebounds. I mean, just, like, ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. 50 points, 16 rebounds, uh, five assists, four blocks, seven steals. I mean, that line is just ridiculous. Only thing... With Anthony Davis, and my biggest concern with Anthony Davis and what possibly could hold Anthony Davis back is health. But do you expect a big-time year out of Anthony Davis? Well, I'll say this. After I saw that Anthony Davis stat line, and I put this out on Facebook and Twitter, he had to have listened to Roy Jones' record, y'all must have forgot. 
<laughs> because here's the guy last year that people were saying was in the running for MVP. It gets hurt, and, you know, things don't go well. I think he missed out on $24, $25 million, whatever the case may be. And now he just let everybody know he's back. And, you know, that stat line, like you said, was incredible. But the, the one thing that was concerning for me was he did all that, and they still lost. And to the Nuggets at that. And, you know, that's no disrespect to the Nuggets, but, you know, the Pelicans are a team that two two years ago when they, when Anthony Davis was in the running for MVP, everybody was talking about they were the team on, on the rise and, you know, really ready to take that next step to maybe make a conference finals. And, you know, they, they don't do that. Anthony Davis gets hurt and then he has this game, but they still lose. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, things play out in, in New Orleans. I know they've got a couple guys banged up, but I'll say this. Uh, with New Orleans, losing Eric Gordon was big, you know, because that was another guy that could score the basketball, albeit he was hurt a little bit last year too and had the injury bug for his career. But, you know, losing him was pretty big. And, you know, it, it'll just be interesting to see how New Orleans does because if Anthony Davis has to put those kind of numbers up every night, He'll be done by February. There's no way his body can hold up and and do that every night. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Thing. I mean, you score 50 points, 16 rebounds. I mean, you do crazy things, and at the end of the day, you still lose. That's not good. So let me ask you this. Obviously, out east, we named a few teams that could challenge the Cavaliers. We look at the Western Conference. Obviously, you have to say the Spurs are a team that can challenge. But other than the Spurs and possibly the Clippers, who else in the Western Conference could possibly threaten the Golden State Warriors? Uh, You know, I'll tell you a team that a lot of people want to talk about, but they're scared to. I like Portland. They remind me of the early Minnesota Timberwolves teams of the 90s of young guys that are just going out and playing. They have no idea what they're doing yet, but they're just going out and playing hard every night and, you know, trying to scrap up some wins. I, I know they started last season off a little rough and had to pick things up, but, you know, I, I think Damian Lillard might be the most underrated superstar in the league uh, by far. I mean, here's a guy that does what he does every night and, can't make an all-star team because the point guards in the West are just that good. Uh, but and, and he might just be better than all of them. But, you know, popularity contest, and then, the, you know, you got to wait for the coaches to vote in guys. But, uh, you, you know, I just think Portland as a whole, you know, their team can do some things with Lillard, McCullum, Harkless, uh, Plumley. You know, I, I like their young nucleus that they have. And, you know, I think they'll, they'll make a run. You know, losing LaMarcus Aldridge was big, but it might have almost been addition by subtraction for them uh, with what they might be able to do in the future. What about the – you know what a team that kind of interests me out west is the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, you have a team maybe, you know, with Bogut, or I think obviously is a good addition. Harrison Barnes is a good addition as well. Of course, you still have Wes Matthews there. I look at Dallas as an interesting basketball team, maybe a team that could poss- possibly 
be a four fifth seed in the West and give some teams some troubles. Your thoughts? I, I call the Mavericks my WD forty team because you, you just spray them up, grease them up real good, and and they're ready to go. Uh, against the Pacers the other night, Darren Williams looked like the Darren Williams of old. Exactly. Uh, you, know, you know what you're getting with, with Dirk Nowitzki every night. Uh, you know, I'd still like to see Wes Matthews be a little more aggressive trying to score the ball. You know, I think he's still trying to fit in uh, with uh, being new to that team. But, you know, I, I think you hit it right on the head. They're, they're a four or five seed for sure right now. And it could be scary come playoff time because they've been there. They, they know what it takes. And, you know, adding Harrison Barnes, who I think that contract was ridiculous uh, with his performance in the finals. But what, what do I know? I, I work at Ryder. But, uh, you know, he is playoff tested. Bogut is playoff tested. So they could definitely be a scary team uh, come playoff time. End of the day. I mean, we look at it. Obviously, it's Cleveland out in the east, Golden State out west. End of the day. In your opinion, is it going to be that? And if it is, who wins it all? I, I, I'm not betting against the Kings. I, I can't do it. Uh, you know, I, I've had a chance to see Michael play. I've had a chance to watch Magic play. Larry, LeBron's right up there with those guys. And, and you know, I, I've got some buddies out in Cleveland and, you know, we were trash talking the other night during the Dickinson Cavs game, only for the first half. I can't go against LeBron. I just think he's that good at, you know, six eight, six nine, two seventy. He he can coast, and he'll still be the best player in in the league. And just with everything that he gets out of his guys, you know, with with demanding them to be great. Yeah, I, I just don't see anybody beat Cleveland right now. So they win it all, in your opinion. I have the Cavaliers winning another championship in six. Sticking with my number of six. I don't know who it'll be against, but they'll win it in six. All right, so let me ask you this. Does that mean that LeBron wins another MVP? I don't know if LeBron will win the MVP. And and the reason being, you know, now he is getting a little older, so I, I think, you know, you probably treat them the way the Spurs did their guys as they were getting up there in age. You know, you, you rest them here and there. So, you know, I, I think you probably see them play about 65 to 68 games because, you know, come playoff time, he's not coming out of the game. And, and with that, I think that'll allow his numbers to dip a little bit. Uh, but I wouldn't even be surprised if maybe you see – Kyrie take a step forward and, and be mentioned in, in the MVP talk. Uh, <laughs> you know, the experience he got winning. And I think you might have mentioned that to me, if I'm not mistaken. But Yes, I, I, I can't see it. I can't the, see the, it the, from the standpoint. I just don't think he'll be healthy enough. Achilles heel as well. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. But now I, I think he knows what it takes to win. And, you know, you, you look at the past year that he's had of winning a championship, winning an Olympic medal, gold medal, and now coming back, you know, the great ones have done it. And if you want to be mentioned with the great ones, you you got to 
had the mental focus and mental toughness to do that. And I think Kyrie's there at, at that point now. And the only thing that'll stop him is injuries. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously, this is going to be a great NBA season. And I think even though KD is in Golden State, I think the season is still going to be compelling. I think the season is still going to be interesting. you got some young stars coming up. I think the NBA is in a good place. And I also think if you look at how the NBA is trending, and you look at how the NFL is trending with all the things going on with the NFL and all the things going on with football, period, it wouldn't surprise me if the NBA closes the gap on the NFL a little. I mean, because the NFL still is king. But it wouldn't surprise me if the NBA closed the gap. Your thoughts on that before we get out of here? Uh, for sure. I, I mean, you know, the NFL does have the uh, – higher standard or gold standard, whatever it is you want to call it. But the thing that I, I think that separates the NFL from the NBA and a lot, and has allowed the NBA to close the gap is the fact that you can see these NBA play, players' faces. You know, in the NFL, you don't really get a chance to know these guys because they're in helmets. Um, and I, I think that kind of hurts the NFL to a certain degree. I mean, the only time we really know who a guy is is if there's some kind of controversy behind him. And, you know, in the NBA, it's not like that. You know, you see these guys when they're at the free throw line or, you know, there's a pan shot of them while they're on the bench. Uh, and, and now, you know, just with the NBA being so global and, and what they've tried to do, you know, the past, past 20-odd years, um, you know, that, that – that gap is definitely becoming smaller. And I, I can see the NBA uh, passing the NFL in notoriety. It, it should be interesting. And, again, this season should be fun. Marlon, a pleasure, man. Oh, not a problem, man. Uh, thanks for having me, as always. And, you know, my apologies for the uh, disconnect earlier. All good, all good. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Marlon Guild, Ryan University assistant basketball coach. So we talk the upcoming NBA season, which should be exciting. And I want to expound on what I was talking about in terms of possibly the NBA catching the NFL. And I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. I'm not even going to say it's going to happen next year. But I think the NBA is coming. And I think one of the reasons the NBA is coming is because I think the NFL – I think Mark Cuban even kind of predicted this, but the NFL has kind of oversaturated itself. I mean, one of the beauties of the NFL is Sunday, Monday, and that's it until next Sunday. Now you got Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. And the Thursday night games aren't very compelling. They're not very exciting. They're actually a, – it's a bad product. Football has no – those guys have no business playing on Thursdays, especially after playing on Sunday. No business. But it happens. The NFL is finding ways to make money, and that was another money grab by the NFL. I'm not mad at the NFL for, for getting another money grab. It's, hey, it's good business. But it could be bad business at the same time because you're oversaturating your product. Again, Sunday, Monday, that's it. And then you got an occasional Thursday, 
and they got an occasional Saturday near the end of the was on the Thursday was a Thanksgiving, and then you got the occasional Saturday near the end of the year. That was the beauty of the NFL. Uh, the you only saw it Sunday and Monday, and then you had people longing and jonesing for Sunday Monday again. And I think because the NBA is a global game, I mean. Uh, the NBA is a global game. It's just not here in the U.S. It's global. It's worldwide. And I think because you have that component, and I think because you also have the situation with the concussions, and I think the sport of football in a lot of ways, they're dabbling and playing with the rules too much. There's way too many penalties. You don't know what a lot of rules are in the NFL. The NFL rules are not fan-friendly. They're, they're, you you got to keep looking at the rule book to figure out what a catch is. I mean, it seems like there's holding on every play, whether it's holding on the offensive line or defensive holding in the secondary. I mean, a game is just too many penalties, seeing too many officials, making too many calls, and I don't think anybody pays their hard-earned money to see 10, 11, 12 penalties in a football game. Just my opinion. The NBA is coming. We'll see if it gets there, but it's coming. I, I, I want to go back to the World Series for a moment. I, I'm looking at it, and I'm here on ESPN.com. Wind gusts up to 20 miles per hour blowing straight out to left field. So the wind is blowing out. That could mean something very interesting, Wrigley. That could mean you could have one of those Cubs-Philly-Mike Schmidt games those 20, those something, whatever games, you know, I mean, could have one of those crazy games in Wrigley tonight. I don't think you're going to get 20 runs. But when that wind is blowing out, anything is possible. But we're going to bring in a guy now who's been around the NBA as we continue preview, previewing the NBA season. This guy has been around the NBA for a long time, one of the founding fathers of the Orlando Magic. Did a lot of work with the Philadelphia 76ers. Was a big reason that team won championships, won a championship in the 80s with Dr. J. Let's bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. This guy is an NBA legend. Been around the NBA for a long, long time. Orlando Magic co-founder and senior vice president, Pat Williams. Pat, how are you? Paul, I'm well. Uh, nice to catch up with you. How you doing? Doing well, sir. Thanks for joining us. Now, Pat, Tuesday night, the Spurs, I, I guess you could say they made a statement against the Golden State Warriors, 129 to 100. If you look at the big three in Miami a few years ago, it took some time for that thing to come together. How long do you think it'll take for the Golden State Warriors and their big four to come for that whole thing to come together? Well, probably some. <laughs> Probably a number of weeks, Paul. You know they've got to uh, reslot everything. They got to re, re. They've redone their team to a large degree. Lots of new pieces. So it's going to take a while. Uh, but that was shocking last night. I thought uh, the Spurs went right in there and and just really, really whipped them. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, that means the Spurs, or that means the Warriors are not going to go 82 and 0, Paul. <laughs> Maybe eighty-one and one, but uh, it was it was it was quite a shock. I thought so. Uh, 
you know, so the, the, the Warriors are good. They're going to be very, very good, very strong. Uh, they'll be fine. But it's uh, going to take uh, probably a little time uh, to get that whole thing coordinated and organized. Plus, uh, the Spurs are awful good. Uh, we saw them in training in, in this fall here, and uh, I like their team. They're very good. Let me ask you this now. You, you look at Gold State. Obviously, you add Kevin Durant, but you lose a Bogut. You lose a Harrison Barnes. You lose a Spates. You, you lose a lot of guys who, who were a big part of your team, gave some solid minutes, and ultimately you had that chemistry. But is it possible that this version of the Golden State Warriors won't be better than that 73-win version we saw a year ago? Well, Paul, I agree with you. Those, those players who are gone uh, certainly played a key role in the Warriors' success, and they're no longer there. Uh, we'll find out later, I guess, how much they're going to be missed. Uh, but those players uh, really, really uh, did a very nice job in their role uh, last year. Uh, so uh, that remains to be seen. That's a, a good question. It's a big question. Uh, do, the, do the Warriors have the other pieces now to uh, fill in there? Uh, that remains to be seen. Lots, lots of questions that uh, will be answered as the season moves on. What's more important, talent or chemistry? Well, I would say uh, chemistry. Obviously, you need, you need great talent in this league. But if that talent doesn't mesh well together, Paul, it's not going to work. Uh, you, want, uh, you need unselfish players. Uh, you need team-oriented guys. You've got you need you need some sacrificial guys. Uh, you need players willing to play their role off the bench. Uh, but you certainly have to have a couple of really really top-level players, particularly scorers. You know, if you're going to be a championship contender. But uh, chemistry's big, and and oftentimes you don't know quite how you get it. Or, or why it arrives. And, and then you're never quite sure when it leaves you. It's pretty <laughs> fragile, Paul. It's, pretty, it's a pretty fragile commodity. Uh, but when you have it, oh, you know it. And everybody in the building knows it. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, but then when it departs you, uh, it, it, it's painful. <laughs> We're talking to NBA legend. Senior Vice President of the Orlando Magic, the great Pat Williams. So, Pat, we look at the Miami Heat when they all came together. Chris Bosh was the one who had to scale his game back for the betterment of the team. Which one of these big four, which one of the big four in Golden State is going to have to scale it back? Well, it may be different guys on different nights, Paul. Uh, I, I don't think you want any of those players uh, to lose their offensive aggressiveness. But it, uh, it may be uh, that uh, you, you play the hot hand that night. On any given night, those guys, somebody's going to be red hot. Uh, maybe two of them are going to be red hot. And, and they're the ones that you have to play through. So I think each night's going to be different, Paul. I don't think you can just say, you know, this guy's going to be uh, you know, play, has to play a different game. Uh, I think they all uh, play their game, but I think on 
uh, given nights when somebody's red hot, feed him, get him the ball, uh, keep, keep, uh, keep going to him. I think that's how it's going to play out, and it'll be different uh, combinations, I think, on different nights. So we have, obviously, the Spurs, you know, on Tuesday night we're big time and still are a big-time basketball team, 67-win basketball team from a year ago. Obviously, they're going to compete with the Golden State Warriors. But is there another team, in your opinion, in the Western Conference that can compete possibly for a title in the Western Conference? Well, the Clippers are always going to be in there somewhere. You know, they never seem to be able to get over the big hump, but they're, they're good. They're real good. Uh, they're they're going to be right in the middle of things. Uh, Portland certainly made advances last year, and they got they got they may have the best guard line out there, other than the Warriors. Uh, so you got to like Portland. <coughs> Eventually, uh, Minnesota's going to be there <coughs> with their young nucleus. Eventually, uh, th- those are a few thoughts. Uh, Dallas is not ready yet. Houston will score a lot of points. I'm not sure they can stop anybody. Phoenix isn't ready. Denver's getting a little bit better. Yeah, Utah's getting better, mm-hmm. but I, they're not they're not ready for this yet. So uh, that that's that's pretty much how I see it, Paul. End of the day, do the Warriors make it back to the finals? They should. Yeah, okay. they should. I I, I think uh, by by the spring they'll be. Uh, They'll be well smoothed out, well coordinated, and uh, obviously they're the favorites to to get back to the finals again. You've been, like we said, you've been around the game of basketball for a long time. What what are your thoughts on the quote unquote super teams? I know we kind of seen it in the '80s with the Celtics and the and the uh, Lakers, even the Sixers on some level. But what's your thoughts on super teams? Good for the game, bad for the game? Uh, Paul, it's always been that way. You know, you go back to the first super team, that would be the Minneapolis Lakers with George Mikan and Jim Pollard, Vern Mickelson. They were dominant. Uh, we had the Celtics with Russell and Kuzi, and uh, Havlicek came along, <coughs> certainly a super team. Uh, we had uh, the Lakers, uh, Wilt, West, Baylor. Uh, then we had the Celtics. Bird, McHale, Parrish, the Lakers, Kareem, uh, Magic, uh, James Worthy. Um, we had one in Philly, Irving and Moses Malone and company. You know, so we've all we've all strived to have super teams, uh, to put together great teams, great combinations. It's nothing new, and uh, the Warriors certainly have played by the rules here. Uh, they got uh, their drafting's been terrific. The, the three key guys were all draft picks, and then and then yeah. Durant joins them by free agency. So uh, every every team in this league is trying to get super players to build a super team. It's hard to do, but that's what we're <laughs> all trying to do. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so we looked at the West. Let's look at the Eastern Conference right now. Cavaliers still a very formidable team. But but I want to ask you this. Who are the teams out east that you think could give the Cavs a hard time, possibly even beat the Cavs, and, and represent the East in the NBA Finals? 
Well, Toronto's good. Uh, I'm not sure they're that good. Boston's gotten good. Boston's a lot better. And the, the addition of Al Horford uh, definitely helps them. Uh, so the Celtics are creeping up there real good. They're good. Um, I'm not sure anybody else is ready. Milwaukee, Chicago, Indiana will be good. Indiana's uh, got a nice team. Uh, they're going to be in the middle of things. But uh, I watched Cleveland last night, now they're, and, and LeBron's still terrific, and uh, the rest of that cast is there. Uh, they play with great confidence. Uh, they're they're going to have a terrific season. And uh, I don't see anybody slowing Cleveland down. Uh, they they uh, they look terrific to me. Not even your magic. Well, we'll be there. We're better. <laughs> uh, we feel we feel good about our team. Uh, we've we've added some nice pieces, and uh, we feel that we're better. We feel that we're competitive every night. Uh, we've got a new coach in Frank Vogel who uh, came from Indiana. We're very very pleased with him. Uh, a good good teaching coach um, has experience. Uh, relates well to his players, great in our community. Uh, so uh, we feel good about our team. Uh, we're eager to see how it all looks now, but uh, we, we feel we've made some, some very positive strides. We're talking to Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams. So you talked about your team, the Orlando Magic. Obviously some of the additions that you guys made in the offseason, that front court is going to be very long. Is going to be very athletic. End of the day, can your Orlando Magic get back to the playoffs? That's the goal, Paul. Uh, that's the mission. Uh, that's what we're striving for. Uh, we feel we've strengthened ourselves up front. Uh, we're deep there. We're much much stronger defensively than we've ever been uh, in recent years. So we feel very good about that end of it. Uh, our backcourt play will be fine. Uh, we've got good center play now. Uh, with some depth. So there's a good feeling now, and uh, we're eager to see if we can uh, take that feeling and put it out on the court every night and uh, and be, become uh, playoff contenders. Uh, but that's the goal. That's the mission. That's what we're striving for this year. If you look at today's NBA, a lot of people are talking about the change of the game in terms of the three ball, in terms of the way the Golden State Warriors play. They shoot a lot of threes. And a lot of teams in the NBA are now shooting a lot of threes. Is this the way the game is going to continue to go, or is this just a fad, a phase? How do you see the three ball moving forward in basketball? Uh, I don't think it's a fad, Paul. It's been around. The three-point shot's been around a long, long time. And you need shooters. Uh, you need makers, you know, to, to have good teams. And, uh, you know, you, I, I, if you get open – and have a three-point shot. The coaches tell their players, make sure you take the shot. Hit it. Three, those three balls are dangerous. Uh, you, can, uh, you can get a, another team on the run real good, and, and, it, and it ignites your crowd. Uh, fans love that three-point shot. And when you hit one, it's like a little dagger, you know, that yes. you've stuck in the other team. And if you can run some threes together, uh, your building becomes hysterical. And so it's a, it's a wonderful weapon. It's here to stay. We're all looking for those kind of shooters, uh, all those kind of makers, too, you know, and uh, they're, they're valuable commodities. 
do you think we'll see the return of, of the quote-unquote back-to-the-basket center? There's a place for them. They're hard to find, though. You know, the, uh, the, the lack of really great big men is kind of confusing. I'm not sure where they've all gone. Uh, in, in the day, you know, we all had big postmen, you know, that you would play off of. But they're, they're hard to find. There are very few of them in the draft every year. I'm not quite sure where they are, but uh, <laughs> you still need a big man. You still need a center. You'll still need somebody to, you know, to work your plays off of. If you've got a good center, you better hang on to him because there are not very many out there. That they're is hard true. to find. That is true. What can we do to kind of bring back that type of center? Well, um, I, I, Paul, we probably got to go back and, 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 and uh, check the bloodlines here. You know, what's happened to the seven-foot guys, you know, who, you know, blocked up the middle and everything ran off of them. Used to be everybody had one, uh, but not, no longer. Uh, the game has changed a lot. Centers like to go outside now and shoot. Uh, they've, they've got three-point range. And, you know, the, the game is a little bit different. But if you get a postman, if you get a shack type player, uh, you know you, you you know you play him down low and you can dominate that bat down there. But for some reason, <coughs> they're just not coming along, and I don't know the reason. You'll have to go go check with the sociologist, I guess, right. about what, what what's going on there. But uh, uh, when they come, when you get one, uh, you've got a very valuable commodity. They're rare, very very rare. Uh, I don't see any any on the horizon, uh, but uh, in the meantime, uh, if you got a good center, hang on to him. Now you've had a good center with Shaq. You also had a good center with Dwight Howard, who's now in Atlanta. Do you see Dwight Howard kind of bouncing back with the Hawks? I think he'll have a good year there. Uh, I think he'll be comfortable there. Uh, you know, he's had his troubles in L.A. and Houston. Uh, apparently not well received in either place and wasn't comfortable, uh, didn't enjoy being there. Uh, so uh, I think uh, I think it'll be a little bit different for him. He can still play, Paul. You know, he's not the great dominant player he once was, but, you know, he can still make uh, contributions and have good nights for you. And uh, we'll see. But I think I, I look for Dwight to have a better year in Atlanta than he has the last few years in Houston. So, Pat, you've written over 100 books. You now have another book out there, Humility, The Secret Ingredient of Success. Tell us about it. Well, Paul, it's just come out, and uh, I, I write about the importance of a humble spirit. Uh, I tell stories and anecdotes that I've collected over the years, some of my own personal experiences, uh, the power of a humble spirit. It's an admirable quality. I think we're missing it to some degree in our country. But the good news is it's a quality that can be taught. Uh, parents can teach it to their children. Uh, coaches to their athletes. Uh, teachers can teach the importance of humility to their students. And a humble spirit uh, carries us a long way. Uh, yes, we can be successful. And yes, we can 
uh, live to our full potential. Yes, we can go for all our dreams and goals, but when you carry a humble spirit along with them, I think that's the magic combination. It's a beautiful quality when you find successful people who have a humble manner about them. They're very attractive, uh, very, very endearing, to, as I've found. So I think people will enjoy the book. Uh, more importantly, I, I hope it inspires them uh, to live a life of humility and, above all, uh, teach young people about the importance of uh, living life successfully. But part of that success is uh, having a, a true sense of humility. So let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, when you get a level of success, sometimes it's hard to keep that humble spirit. What is one way that you can have success and at the same time find a way to stay humble? Well, that's a great question. And I think uh, uh, to me what's been very helpful, Paul, is to read and study uh, uh, people that I admire uh, who, who have practiced humility. George Washington, for example, you know, the, the, the founder of our country, I mean, truly, truly a humble general and a humble president. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, our greatest president, uh, most important president, uh, a man of true humility. Uh, study um, uh, Mother Teresa, you know, and her, and her life and her contributions. At, at, the, at the heart of it all uh, was a humble spirit. So here's the mindset of, of a truly humble person. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not about uh, building my resume. It's about building yours. It's not about advancing my career goals. It's about advancing yours not about my success it's about your success and the success of this organization that I'm leading I, I think that's the mindset you know of a truly humble person Paul and when you run into those kind of people you never forget them I never have and I've been fortunate to, to uh, have spent time with some memorable people legendary people <clears throat> and seen uh, what a humble spirit does uh, it, it's uh, a powerful force, and uh, I uh, have written a book on that basis that uh, we need to really get back base. I'll tell you one reason why. It's a big deal to God. You know, he's really sure. big on humility, really big, and, and so it's important that we, uh, we follow up on that. So I ho the book's out there now. It's, it's in bookstores and up on Amazon.com, and I, uh, I hope that people really find some value in it. So at the end of the day, think about others before yourself, and you'll keep that humble spirit. Uh, Paul, I think, you, I think you said it beautifully. Okay. I think you said it beautifully. And you'll be a lot happier. You'll, you'll be a lot more rewarded. That is you'll true. feel much better about yourself if, if you follow your little piece of advice there. So fans, make sure you go to patwilliams.com, find this great book, Humility. I mean, it's a great, great book and great, great advice for you. Also, you can go to Twitter, at Orlando Magic Pat, and you can 
Talk to him right there on Twitter. You can go to his website, patwilliams.com, and then you can do all those things to support all the great things going on with Pat Williams. Before we get out of here, do you have a prediction in terms of who's going to win it all? Well, Paul, right now, uh, it's going to be very, very tough to beat Cleveland. Very tough to beat the Warriors. I think we're going to probably see or could very well see Cleveland and the Warriors again in the finals. And then we go from there. (laughs) Who would have thought uh, Cleveland would come back from 3-1 last year? But uh, that was a beautiful series and great tribute to LeBron. It's going to be a good year for the NBA. The the league is doing well, Paul. Uh, Crowds are up. Uh, the, the league continues to grow around the world, you know, t- penetrating into every nation on earth. 113 players in the league this year from other countries. Amazing. That's great. Uh, the, as this league continues to become a worldwide entity. So I think the league is in store for a wonderful season. Uh, everybody, most everybody plays tonight. So uh, the league is underway full bore and okay. it's going to be uh, great fun to see how it all plays out. I, I got one more before we get out of here. You, you talked about LeBron James. We all talk about LeBron James in terms of the possibilities of catching Michael Jordan in terms of being the greatest player of all time. Is it possible Uh, yes, although I'm a huge Michael fan, Paul, and I've always felt nobody could catch him. Nobody could, could overtake Michael for what he means and what he has meant. But uh, LeBron has certainly uh, come close and is, is close, still has a few more years to go here. And that may be an argument for the ages, you know, down the road. Michael or LeBron? <laughs> Michael or LeBron? Uh, you, you could... Uh, you could have a lengthy argument on that one. Right now, Michael still leads the pack, uh, but uh, LeBron is uh, is closing hard, that's for sure. It, it should be fun to see. We're going to see during this 2016-2017 NBA season and beyond. Pat, absolute pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. Paul, thanks a million. Real nice to talk to you. Take care. Same to you. Bye-bye now. Pat Williams, senior vice president, one of the founding fathers of the Orlando Magic. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Guy who has a wealth of NBA knowledge, a guy who's been around the game for a long, long time, and a guy who's written over 100 books. So this is a guy, when he talks, you listen to what he has to say. And there was a singer who was scheduled to sing the national anthem out there in Philadelphia, Severin, Seven, excuse me, Seven Streeter. And we reached out to Seven Streeter to try to get her on this show uh, to talk about uh, what happened. But... She wore a shirt that said, we matter. 
Philadelphia 76ers had an issue with it, took umbrage with it, didn't allow her to sing. Ultimately, the organization issued an apology today to Seven, and they said, quote, we are sorry that this happened. After receiving feedback, feedback from our players, basketball operations staff, and ownership group, we believe that the wrong decision was made, and Seven should have been welcomed to sing. So they did offer her an opportunity. They apologized and offered her another opportunity to sing the national anthem at the game, at the Sixers game. And so we'll see if she takes them up on that offer. And we'll see if she will, in fact, sing the national anthem at some point in time for the Philadelphia 76. I think she will. I think most definitely she will take the Sixers up on her on their offer. And I think she will sing the national anthem at some point in some time for the Philadelphia 76ers. And here's the thing. I mean, it's a situation now. Obviously, this is a hot-button issue. We saw the, the, the person in Miami, the woman in Miami, who took a knee while singing the national anthem. And here's my thing. I support what Colin Kaepernick has done. I, I may not have done it that way, but I support what he's done. And and I think we should appreciate what he's done. And I think whether you hate it or love it, respect what he's done. I mean, he's getting on his knee. And, and again, Colin Kaepernick, his, his stature in the National Football League is not what it was. This is not 2013. This is not 2012. This is a guy right now on some level – this could be his last opportunity. Do I think he gets another chance? Maybe, but he hasn't played that well. And this Chip Kelly offense, though there's not a lot of talent as 49ers, is fairly quarterback friendly. I mean, Nick Foles threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Now you can argue that was before this offense was figured out because that was in the first year of this offense or that uh, Chip Kelly offense. So, but you look at it, the offense is fairly quarterback friendly. I mean, Sam Bradford had career highs with that particular under that system, in that Chip Kelly system. If you look at Colin Kaepernick at this point in his career, this could be his last shot on some level. I mean, he's not played that well. And, and let's be real about the situation. So he, he's kind of putting himself out there. He's most definitely putting himself out there at this point in time. And you know, obviously this is a situation moving forward where if he doesn't play any better, he's going to be a pretty much a free agent at the end of this year. I wonder what the market's going to be like for him. Might not be a lot of people clamoring to get the services of Colin Kaepernick. But anyway, so I respect what he's done. But here's my thing. I think if you agree to sing, to sing the national anthem, I don't necessarily have a problem with a shirt. You know, whether it's We All Matter or Black Lives Matter shirt, I don't have a problem with that. I think I do have a problem with you taking a knee during the national anthem. Because I feel like if you have a problem with the song, then you probably shouldn't be singing the song. If the Philadelphia 76ers are, are, let's go to the Miami Heat, the Miami Heat situation more so than the Philadelphia 76ers. They offer, the Miami Heat, you know, allows you to sing the national anthem then I feel like, in my opinion, I don't think you take a knee there. Because on some level, in agreeing to sing the national anthem, you kind of sort of agree with the words 
in the national anthem and agree with the message of the national anthem on some level. So I feel like while I understand and while I'm not mad, I do feel like, you know, at the same time, if you agree to sing the national anthem, then I think you should agree to stand while you sing the song. That's just my opinion. I mean, that's just my opinion. This is Denisha Lawrence, who is and was the one who sung the song at the game, the Miami Heat game. So, I mean, I have, here's the thing, I don't have too much of a problem with her, what she did, because I think the message needs to get out there. And I think it's a message that needs to be heard. And I think the message is very, very important. But I also think at the same time, if you agree to sing the national anthem, I don't think you kneel. I, I really don't. I don't have a problem with your garb. I don't have a problem with your wear, but I do have a problem if you're going to kneel while singing the national anthem. That's just my, my issue because, again, I, I feel like if you agree to it, to sing it, you on some level agree with the words. I mean, you, you look at a singer. If a songwriter writes a song for a singer and she don't agree with the words on some level, then she got no business singing that song. And I feel like if you don't agree with the song, which is the national anthem, if you don't agree with the message, don't sing the song. That's just my opinion. Don't sing the song. That's just how I look at it. But again, even as much as as, as I don't agree with the message and what she, I, not the message, even though I don't agree with what with what she did, I do think it's it's definitely. Um, I think something that should be commended. I think something should be respected because she did take a risk, but I don't agree with it. And I'm just going to be honest about the whole situation. I don't agree with what she did, but I do agree with Colin Kaepernick did, does and has done. And I support what Denisha Lawrence has done. And I support what Colin Kaepernick has done. I just feel like I would have won about it maybe slightly a little differently, but hey, to each his own. Kudos to her and Kunos to uh, Severin Streeter, you know, and Colin Kaepernick, individuals out there, Brandon Marshall as well, Eric Reed, individuals out there taking a risk. You know, even Stephen Means, who had to fist in the air for the Philadelphia Eagles, taking risks, risks that you don't even have to take for the betterment of your people and the betterment of society. Because as I've always said about the, the America, I've always said about America, it's, it's a great country. But I think we can do things to make the country greater, greater, and, and and best, better, as best as it can be. I think we can do things to make this country better. And I don't have a problem with guys, individuals, people out here trying to do things to make this country what it should be, great, the greatest country in the world. It is the greatest country in this world, in the world, but it could be greater. And there's nothing wrong with individuals telling this country that it could be better. I'm cool with it. But let's go to the NFL now. And um, you look at the NFL, you look at the, 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 to me, the marquee matchup. One of the marquee matchups coming up this week is, is happening in Dallas on Sunday Night Football. That should be pretty good for ratings. 
I mean, this is a game that you have two teams in, in, in some big markets. You know, obviously you have America's team, which is the Dallas Cowboys. Or everybody likes the Cowboys. And the Philadelphia Eagles, you have two young quarterbacks and Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. You've got a young stud back and Ezekiel Elliott for the Dallas Cowboys. So you got a lot and you got a typical classic NFC East battle. So you got a lot of it's a great football. This is some great football. And I'm excited for what's going to happen this weekend in Dallas. I look at these two quarterbacks. I mean, these two quarterbacks have played some tremendous football. These two quarterbacks are one of the reasons that the Cowboys are five and one and that the Philadelphia Eagles are four and two. That's because of this quarterback, the quarterback play. That's because of Dak Prescott, you know, only having one interception and leading this football team, you know, going to Green Bay and beating the Packers, you know, without his big gun his top gun, his best wide receiver, and Des Bryant, who will return this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. But you look at Dak Prescott, 719 yards, six touchdowns, only one interception, 71% completion percentage. I mean, 116.5 QB rating. I mean, the guy is getting it done. And there's no reason that Tony Romo should be coming back and as the starter for this football team, only way, only reason Tony reason Tony Romo should be coming back and starting for the Dallas Cowboys if Dak Prescott is hurt. That's the only way, in my expert opinion. But I look at this situation, I look at this football game, and as I watch this game, not watch this game, but as I'm just watching it in my head and, and just examining this football game, I think it's going to be interesting. I think what's going to be the key thing, the interesting thing, is how the Philadelphia Eagles do against that Cowboy offensive line, against that Cowboy run game. Because you look at the Cowboys. I mean, last year they had a big-time, solid offensive line. And they didn't have, you know, a big-time running game. And the reason now they got a big-time running game is because they have a big-time back. You know, you got a big time back in Ezekiel Elliott, a, a, a guy that's 703 yards, five touchdowns in six games. I mean, he's a big time back. And I'm interested to see what the Philadelphia Eagles do against that run game, against that Cowboy run game. Because I saw what that Eagles defense did against that Redskins run game. I mean, the Redskins tuned them up to, a, to 231 yards. To a tune of 231 yards. They tuned them up. Knocked them off the ball. Now I'm interested to see how this Eagles defense, who bounced back last week big time in a big time performance against the Minnesota Vikings, but I believe obviously this Cowboy offensive line is better. I believe this Cowboys offense as a whole is better. I think the Cowboys have a better run game and just a better overall offense than the Minnesota Vikings because this is going to be more of a test. This is going to be much more of a test for this Philadelphia Eagles defense. And one of the reasons Philadelphia Eagles have lost, had lost two in a row, is because that defense, which showed up the first three weeks of the season, didn't really show up against Detroit, at least in that first half, and didn't show up against the Redskins, who were able to move the ball effectively and who were, who were able to run the football. 
It's very hard to beat a football team in the NFL when you give two hundred, give up 231 yards. You can't win like that. So that's the matchup to me that I'm looking at and I'm focusing on. I think the Eagles can have some success against the Cowboy offense, uh, defense. And I think the Cowboys could possibly have some success against the Eagles in terms of running the football. It should be interesting. But if the Eagle defense that showed up the first three weeks of the season and that showed up last week against the Minnesota Vikings finds a way to show up against the Cowboys on Sunday, Eagles will win that football game. If it doesn't, if, if we see the defense that can't, that showed up against Washington and showed up against the Lions, at least in that first half, Cowboys are going to win this football game. I actually think the Cowboys will win this football game because I think Cowboys are going to have some success running the football with that, with, um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So we'll see what happens. But if you look at the NFL last night, um, you, you saw another Thursday night stinker. Another Thursday night stinker. I mean, you, you, you had a game, what, what, 27, was it 27 to 8 at halftime? A, a game that was pretty much over at halftime? A, a game that Unless, excuse me, it's 27 to nothing at halftime. Now, unless you live in Tennessee, unless you live in Jacksonville, you probably turned it off. Unless you live in any of those two cities, that game was probably turned off. And you probably turned it off and went off and switched over to Boston, Chicago, and the National Basketball Association. But the, the, the Jaguars, man, I mean, obviously you have a lot of concerns. Your defense, I mean, which was tuned up 36 points, 27 points at halftime, that's not good. I mean, Tennessee was able to run the ball at will. Marco, Marcus Mariota was able to pass the ball at will. I mean, 214 yards rushing. Murray with 123. Henry was 60. And then you got uh, Mariota, 18 for 22. 270 yards. Didn't get. Bad football. Not enjoyable football. We had some technical difficulties there. We went out for a moment. We're back. Now we're back up and running. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, but we got that taken care of. But that was some bad football. Not enjoyable football. Not the type of football you want to see. Not the type of football that you would spend hours watching. And that's one of the reasons with Thursday night. That's one of the reasons Thursday night football is bad. The product is bad. There's really, really has not been many good games on Thursday night. And really has not been many good games in prime time, period. But... Whatever. But you look at it now and, and you wonder how long Gus Bradley can survive. You have to have some concerns with Blake Bortles at this point because he's a guy who's kind of been stinking up the joint over the past few weeks, has not been very good. I mean, you're with Blake Bortles now. I mean, you're thinking now this is third year. This is third year for Blake Bortles. So you got to start figuring out what this guy really is and, and is he 
who he is, pretty much. He might be who he is. This is third season. This is the year that, you know, you you expect guys to blossom. This is the year you expect guys to bloom and, 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 and you know, take that next step. I mean, you, you thought after last season where you had 35 touchdowns to only 18 interceptions, not only, but 18, that number's high. That interceptions number's high, but those 35 touchdowns are beautiful. I mean, you thought he would he would – move on from that and take that next level and, and go another level in terms of being a big-time quarterback in this league. But he hasn't taken it. And the Jaguars defensively, you know, you bring in a Gus Bradley from Seattle, his calling card is defense. And you bring that guy in and you expect your defense to be pretty good. You expect your defense to be big-time. And it wasn't. And, you know, it's, it's just an average defense here. I mean, you spend a lot of draft picks on, you know, a Jalen Ramsey, a, a, a Cyprian, a, a Fowler. I mean, you spent, you know, you obviously drafted high. You invested in terms of draft picks on that defense. You know, you, you did some free agency, free agent things as well, but you still haven't become better on the defensive side of football. And that's Gus Bradley. That's his forte. That's his specialty. That's what he does. That's how he got this job. He doesn't get this job without, you know, the pedigree that he has on defense. But you can't afford to continue to, you know, invest all this money into this, these, you know, into, you know, whether it's free agency or invest in terms of draft. I mean, Fowler, Dante Fowler, third round, third pick, and you know, the third pick. Third overall pick. I mean, that's a high draft pick. You need dividends. You need that to go right. You need that to go well. You know, you 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 invest that there. You expect some big things. Cyprian in the second round. You know, you're investing. You invested there. In terms of draft picks. You know, Jalen Ramsey, fifth pick overall. You know, decent season. But, you, again, you want these guys to pay dividends. You want them to pay dividends. And they're not doing it. They're just not. We'll see what happens moving forward with Jacksonville. You wonder if this continues, whether Gus Bradley will keep his job. I want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by. I also want to thank Pat Williams for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com, slash begin, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at Go4Can. Like us on Facebook, Go4Can. And we're expecting a big show next week. Eric Legrand is supposed to be joining us. Uh, Brandon Mebane may be joining us. So we've got a big show lined up for you next week. So make sure you come around here, 7 o'clock, Fridays, blogtalkradio.com, slash begin. You, again, list, you can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. Follow us on Twitter at go4gant. Listen to some of our inter- interviews on youtube.com slash go4gant. Many of our interviews are being featured on various websites. For everybody here at go for it. we hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care. Bye.